The text that you are about to hear is by Charles Olavois. To find out more about this Canadian author and his previous books, visit www.charlesolevois.com. This episode is from Goodbye Philippines, a collection of short stories. The book are a fictional construction of exchanges between the author and people living in the Philippines, overseas workers, and Filipino expats. Goodbye Philippines, a podcast collection of short stories by Charles O. Levois. Through Facebook conversations, George, the narrator of Goodbye Philippines, gets glimpses of Filipino lives in the Philippines and among expatriates and overseas foreign workers. As he discovers the sufferings of the younger generation, he is often reminded of the disparity between the deprivations and emotional angst of his youth. On one trip to the Philippines, he is hospitalized in delirium and dependent on local care until he is well enough to fly home. On his return, he shuts everyone out, including Lando, the youth in the Philippines whose college education he paid for. After a long silence, his protege reaches out and the two briefly reunite online. The bond between them is poignant and Lando's longing for a father's substitute is palpable. Will George choose to pull away? Read by Warren Carey and music by Angelico Dayo, executive producer Charles O. Lavoie. Chapter 11 All About Love. The following is an abridged story from Goodbye, Philippines. For an overseas foreign worker, OFW, there was no such thing as a script. A Filipino who had a job on a cargo or a cruise ship was condemned to celibacy. Many others worked in foreign countries under strict conditions and regulations. Their movements were limited and their passports were in the hands of the agency that hired them or their employers. In contrast to the thousands and thousands of Africans who were kidnapped, enslaved, and sent to Europe and America, the OFWs stayed in touch with their country of origin and often managed to keep their marital life afloat through Skype, except in the United Arab Emirates, where it was forbidden, and Facebook. The suspended life of the husband or the wife working abroad did not seem to apply to the spouse at home. One day, Joy Escribano mentioned to George on Facebook that her husband had left her to live in the Philippines. They had worked and lived in Hawaii for many years. Both their son and daughter were now in the U.S. Navy and married with children. One year, her husband went on his own to the Philippines on vacation and decided to stay there. George asked, Do you plan to go back when you retire? My children don't want to see him, Joy enigmatically responded. Why not? George asked. Sorry, not my business. It's okay, Joy replied. She willingly shared her story. For nearly a decade, the couple had been Skyping each week and every month. Joy sent him money towards the building of a house big enough for their children and grandchildren. One day, she learned that another woman had moved in with her husband. How did you find out? My cousin told me, Joy replied. 
In my hometown, everyone knew. What did you do? George asked. I confronted him. And how did he react? George asked, slightly uneasy about interrogating a woman he had met briefly in Honolulu while visiting a friend. He sent me an 18-page letter. He wants me to return to the fill. He says to me, You and my other woman will be equally compensated. George sent the sticker of a cartoon, scratching its head. Three days with each woman, Joy explained. That makes six days. On Sunday he will rest. <laughs> like God in the Bible, George remarked. The next second, the dots indicating that Joy was online, disappeared. She had logged out. George assumed that Joy had been on a coffee or lunch break from work. The following Saturday, George reported to Annie Garcia what he had heard from his Hawaiian friend. The conversation took place at St. Patrick's Church in Victoria. The parish was celebrating the 80th birthday of a well-known and well-respected woman, a former nun from the Philippines. Being the first ones to arrive, George and Annie sat together and waited in the spacious community hall, which was decorated with banners and garlands hanging from the walls and small floral bouquets on the tables. It happens, Uncle, Annie remarked with a sigh. How long were you in Canada without your family? George asked. He already knew that she was married and had children. When I came, I worked two years for my employer, Annie said. Things have changed, Uncle. Then I got a permit. A permit for what? George asked. To get your family to come to Canada, Annie replied. It took you how many years? Four, Annie replied. Then, as if reading his mind, she added, You have to trust your husband. Annie's expression was sad, but she was smiling. She always looked sad, George thought. He remained silent, hoping for more. He was rather pleased with the direction the conversation was taking. I told my husband, We are doing it for our children their future. Four years, George said. That's a long time to wait. How can a husband and a wife remain a couple under those circumstances? Annie remained silent. What if one of them meets someone else? It happened to one of my co-workers, Annie said. The husband changed his mind. What do you mean? He refused to let the children go. Why? George asked. He has no work. Between you and I, Annie, why would he work if his wife sends money once a month? Twice a month, Uncle, Annie remarked. He knows her payday. He messages her when she is late. Can the husband keep the children? He wants my friend to sponsor him, Annie explained. Then she will have the children. What is she going to do? She has hired someone in the Philippines, Annie paused. It's all about money, Uncle. An army of volunteers burst into the community hall, bearing platters covered with aluminum foil. Children carried large three-liter bottles of Coca-Cola and Sprite. They were laughing and talking loud, all in formal clothes. I must go and help the others in the kitchen, Annie said as she stood up. 
Is this for your book? Yes. I told my husband, We are doing it for the children's future, Annie repeated quietly. With another sad, beautiful smile, she got up. Your husband is a good man, George said. God always provides, Annie loudly announced. Then, picking up the plastic bags full of goods at her feet, she left George to join the other parishioners. Life is hard in the Philippines. Filipino expats often said to Caucasian co-workers and friends to explain why, the moment they had received their first paycheck ten or twenty years earlier, they had sent a portion of it to their relatives back home and never stopped doing so. The year before George's last visit to the town of Igbaras, in the province of Iloilo, his home away from home, a woman who had worked for several years in Singapore pointed at the mountain overlooking the town and said, With no electricity, what do you think they do when it's dark? Without waiting for an answer, the woman added with a laugh, They make children! All the while, her husband, a heavily built cheerful man in his forties, listened and nodded. The former overseas foreign worker and her husband had invited George to a christening. They had no children of their own, but had adopted a baby girl after the death of the sixteen-year-old mother, who was a distant relative. For the benefit of his foreign guest, the husband said, No legal papers in the Philippines. Then he suggested, Let's go to the bar. George followed his host to the back of the house. The bar, not visible from the road, consisted of a roughly made bamboo table draped with a floral patterned plastic cloth and several bottles of Red Horse and San Miguel beer and plastic flasks of Emperador brandy. A group of men was already gathered around the makeshift bar. Drink! one of them yelled. The guy was visibly drunk, his face shone with sweat. It was near noon and the temperature was high. He filled up a glass and handed it to George. Bottom up, he shouted, laughing. As soon as George drained his glass, it was refilled. Cheers, he said, chugging the brandy. The scene was animated. There were more than a dozen of men, all quite drunk and in high spirits. The ground around the table was littered with empties, which he'd heard someone refer to as dead bodies. Life is hard in the Philippines. Was that just an excuse, George wondered. He had switched to beer, as he was feeling drunk from the brandy. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Goodbye Philippines. Here are some questions from the author, and here are some thoughts to ponder. 1. Are you working abroad and separated from your spouse? How often do you communicate with each other? 2. Can separation affect a couple's relationship? Is fidelity possible in this kind of situation? 3. Is excess drinking a social problem in the Philippines? Is it related to poverty and unemployment? Do you know women who drink, or is it more common among men? We'd love to hear from you. To share your thoughts and your answers to the questions, email charlesolavoie at gmail.com. 
Want to receive updates about future episodes of Goodbye Philippines? Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Also, feel free to share the link to this episode with your friends and on social media. If you love Goodbye Philippines, check out www.charlesolavoie.com for info on Charles's other published works. A link is provided in the description. Until next time.